Listening to the Noise Canceling Pod, the podcast about streamlining life, encouraging discourse, and maximizing your mind. Hosted by Frank Boyce and Axel Clark. All right, welcome to episode 25. I'm Frank Boyce. And this is Axel Clark. We're very glad to have you guys back. Today we have a special treat. We're rejoined by our esteemed colleague and friend, Miriam Khan. And Although we feel that she needs no introduction, I will say it again. She's a jack-of-all-trades for ABC News, and for our podcast, she's our news correspondent, senior Snapchat analyst, and globetrotter <laughs> extraordinaire. Miriam, thanks so much for being back on, especially for episode 25. Woohoo! Yes, you are so welcome. I am so thrilled to be here. Thanks for having me, you guys, and congrats on 25. It's a big day, Axel. It, it is can, a big can, day. Can you describe how you feel? It's kind of... <laughs> Mostly amazement. I think if you would have asked me in December, I would not have expected to get to 25 when we committed to five. What would you have put the over-under at, be honest? Probably seven to ten. I think if I was really betting, I would have put it at three. (laughs) (laughs) Just to make it a difficult choice. I I think I would have taken the over, but I would have set it pretty low. Yeah. So, Marion, we're glad to have you on today. What we wanted to talk about is some of the assignments you've been up to lately. We wanted to talk about mentorship in in the news media and um, just career development in general because we thought that the last time you were here, you did such an amazing job describing, you know, why you're passionate about mentorship. And we wanted to dig in a little bit more on that. And then I know you want to talk about Axel and I. We're not sure if we want to talk about ourselves, but we may get to that at the end. You guys should definitely talk about yourselves. You have accomplished so much. Absolutely. <laughs> I love it. We will talk about Axel's more because I, I, I don't feel like his, his most recent passion project got enough space the last time that we chatted. So. I don't, but I don't know. It's one that kind of puts some people to sleep, so we'll see. <laughs> don't say that. Don't, don't start off the podcast with that. It's, it's very exciting. You're going to want to wait around to the end so we can listen Started about Axel's project. I need to figure out how to make coding interesting, so that's what I'm going to think about from here on because like, right now it's just nerding out too deeply, and so <laughs> that's not, it's not there. Is there like a Bill Nye, the science guy equivalent for coding? I'm sure there is. There there are people that are the experts that are... But I don't know about entertainment. I'm sure there are. Like, Kent Beck is fairly popular, famous for some of the stuff he's done. You should totally to live stream it or something. You know, like, a day in the, <laughs> day in the life well, of Apple. So, actually... <laughs> As he codes. You can... There are people out there that, that live... They're kind of like instructors, and they live code them actually doing the coding... And the best part about watching that is realizing that like even the experts are making mistakes all the time. So that is cool. it's it's I don't know if it's fun to see, but it's it's refreshing to see that even the people that have been doing it forever make little typos and other little mistakes that are hard to find. 
And it's totally. cool that they're out there with that vulnerability, just right. showing everybody their mistakes, not spending another five hours editing out all the, exactly all the messed right. up keystrokes. Yeah. <laughs> and I think that's the beauty of it, too. When you're like building something new, you're going to make so many mistakes you know, and you're like working through that process. And this all kind of reminds me of Mr. Robot. Let's talk about Mr. Robot. Oh, too. I like it. I like it. Well, I, I will say see it. I'm a few episodes behind Miriam. So I keep saying like, don't tell me anything. Don't, don't tell me anything. Because uh, I just started season two. Okay. I'm definitely starting Mr. Robot. Yeah. You'll be, you'll be confused and it'll be very just. This looks excellent. Yeah. It's so good. It is. I'm like almost catching up to the end of it. And then I think the season finale is sometime this week. And um, but it's very, very good, very intelligent, smart writing and critically acclaimed. And, you know, I think uh, it's right up your alley about yeah. coding. And <laughs> in my household, I'm going to pr- propose Mr. Robot instead of Real Housewives and see how it goes. <laughs> nice. 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 Well, you can say there's really not that much coding about it. I mean, it's. <laughs> It's, yeah. it's kind of about the subject matter, but it's not. They don't get super technical very often. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But uh, and I feel like jumping in a show at the end of season two is like the perfect time mm. to binge watch, just because right. it's going to take you a while like, to burn through two full seasons, and then you don't have to wait quite as long as everybody else. But you can still talk about it yeah. while it's still relevant. Right? The, the, That's like not entirely true because I watched the entire four seasons of The Americans in one month. <laughs> Huh. <laughs> and now I am like waiting until the next season, which is like in March or something. I, I had the best timing ever on Breaking Bad. I started yeah. and caught it right at the start of the season to where like it was kind of cool to go through the last season with everyone because there was time to discuss and everything. So that was it was all hype. So that was interesting. But although there was a, a good discussion about when you watch it when you binge watch it his you see his transition more quickly whereas if you watch it over the course of the actual seasons that like it it's hard like it's harder for you to see his transition so you may have had a different experience had you not binge watched it interesting absolutely that's some deep like that's that's like the deep reddit (laughs) thread analysis right there (laughs) that breathing room yeah now i have to wait until the next season for the Americans, and I'm like, oh, I hate this pause. Is it is are is the Americans getting better? Like someone told me, so we start we started watching a little bit. It's so good. It is one of the best shows ever, and for the first time this year, both the lead actor and actress were nominated for Emmys. Oh wow! And yeah, so I mean, I just I think it's so historical, and the drama is so good, and it's less about like even the Cold War and KGB spies infiltrating American society, and it, it's more even about just family dynamics because they hide who they are from their children and their friends and their neighbors and their families. But like how long can you carry that on for? So people are slowly starting to find out and one of their kids knows and it's just, it's like taking a family and putting them into one of the most extreme situations and seeing how they either like survive or implode, which is so fascinating. Do you find yourself at different periods rooting for them and then not rooting for them? Or are you always rooting for them? It's kind of like Breaking Bad. Like you want to root for the bad guy kind of, Mm -hmm. you know, and it's, I, I I feel like their situation is so different from anything that we know. And I mean, for instance, the Americans are KGB spies and like Russians and 
Soviet Union and all of that, but you still fight for them and feel for them because of just the emotional ties that like their, their family is going through, for instance. And so, um, you know, it's, it's very tricky because you don't want to root for them, but then you do. Yeah. And that's I think that's why people like shows like that so much is because oftentimes, I would say 99% of all shows give you exactly what they want you to feel. And those shows kind of allow you the space to decide on your own. Exactly. Um, have you guys seen Narcos? That's another one yes. that I just <laughs> that I just binged and finished season one and season two of. I think I um, we're part way through season two. So good. I have it's not really, gotten in on the Narcos. It's pretty good. <laughs> yeah, it it's, it's the Narcos. It's, it's also. I'll just go. Oh, I, also, I have not gotten in on Narcos. <laughs> it's also cool because they tie in like actual historical footage, and yeah. so it's interesting to see like news clips and video and pictures and stuff so that's an interesting thing that's awesome absolutely and you have to like be focused and paying attention because there's a lot of subtitles because a lot of it is in spanish so i didn't find that to be challenging though, or not i didn't find it to be distracting or a problem yeah i think the you know as long as you kind of pay attention a little bit and you can see the drama happening on screen you'll always know what's going on but it's such a good show i would highly recommend it and it's one of those where you're kind of like rooting for the oh you definitely are you you definitely are rooting for him tv is so good these days there's so many good shows that's true shockingly better than movies i mean it it really is so much more entertaining than most movies that come out yeah unbelievable so speaking of filming historical events you get to do this daily. So can we walk back through a, a few of your uh, more recent assignments and, and talk about some, some things that have stood out in a memorable fashion or, or things that have kind of, like what we're talking about, exposed the, the humanity of the situation? Yeah, definitely. I mean, this summer has been pretty crazy. Um, it started off with the Pulse nightclub shooting in Orlando, and I was dispatched there in Orlando on June 12th, the day that it happened, and I was there for a good eight or nine days. Um, and then just a short few weeks after that, um, there was the Baton Rouge shooting in which um, a f- several cops were, you know, injured and, and killed, and, you know, I had to travel for that as well. And... Um, it's been a pretty busy summer, and then I'm also trying to work on some personal po- projects of mine at work as well. Um, so yeah, it's been it's been a pretty busy summer. For your personal projects, do you do you propose them to your boss or whatever, and then they kind of approve them, or how does that process work for you getting personal projects going? Yeah, it's pretty um, the type of the work slash job slash role that I'm in, it affords me the the ability to pitch my own story ideas. So I, as general assignment, I have to kind of cover those breaking news stories and, you know, grab your camera, run, race out the door, there's a fire, go, go, go. But then I also get to um, pitch my own ideas. And the beauty of it is that I get to send my ideas and try to you know, give them to senior producers of every single show that I work for. And then there's also the big digital audience and digital video outlet, you know, that I also get to work for. 
So I have a lot of options when it comes to when I have a story, how do I want to tell it and how do I want to call attention to it, you know, and it kind of brings together both the TV side and also the digital side, which I think a lot of media outlets are trying to reconcile and explore because it's just so different. And so yeah, that's, that's something I get to dabble in. And then we're also really big on live streaming these days. So seeing things has it as, as they happen live and bringing that to your audience right then and there. Is that is harder awesome. or, or in some ways is it easier? What's the, cause you don't have to worry about editing and throwing stuff out you just go or what? Yeah, I would say it's like a little bit of both. It's definitely easier because, yeah, it's like happening live. This is it. It's happening right now. And most of the time it gets to be like very casual, conversational, off the cuff and fun some of the time and easygoing, lighthearted. And then sometimes it is tough because the pressure is higher because you are doing it live. And, you know, when you're when you're on Facebook doing a Facebook live, eh, you get hundreds of thousands of viewers sometimes and so it's you know the pressure is high but at the same time that's like how the audience likes to see and hear things is like right then and there they don't they like less and less packaged things sometimes mm -hmm. so um it's a little bit of both do you feel like you're cognizant of the the permanence of what you're doing like when you're doing a, a new segment that's going to live on abc news or online for forever you know, kind of in perpetuity versus like a live stream that is is probably going to be seen by all the people in the live stream and then will probably disappear from memory somewhat shortly after. Are you are you aware of that during that moment or are you aware of that when you're planning those segments? Definitely. And I think it's like not even around the whole like live aspect of it. I think in journalism, you just really have to pay attention because Twitter like one weird or poorly worded tweet or you're trying to be funny and it comes across not funny, like anyone can screenshot that and you will be talked about for the next three days, you know? So it's, it's difficult, like media and the advancement of technology and all of that is awesome and exciting and new, but then it also makes, like you have to be more cognizant of all of that because whether it's live or whether it's packaged or whether it's a print piece, you know, um, where you're just writing words or a single 140 character tweet. Everything has, you know, people have their eyes on it. And so you just have to be really careful no matter what. So pressure is always high. So are you saying that you're, you're filtering yourself right now while you're on noise canceling pod? <laughs> <laughs> No. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah, no, it is, it is one of those things, though. I mean, I just feel like even in life in general, like I tell my sister that she's in college, she's 20 years old, and I'm like, one day you're going to try to get a job in, like, the big leagues, and a tweet that you sent out seven years ago, someone will, like, bring it up and call attention to it. So, like, it could impact anyone, it, not even media, like, just anyone, and it's just... It's... Do you think at some point it will be almost impossible to find... You could pretty much will be able to dig up dirt on anyone because everything is out there, and so the impact will be less? Or do you yeah. think it will continue to be more... You'll just have to 
find people that are better at hiding that like the real cards of themselves yeah it almost it makes it so much harder to actually tell accurate news i mean the best example of this is you know a few years ago what was it 2013 when the boston marathon bombings occurred and people on reddit were i trying to identify mm -hmm. you know potential suspects from photos and you know, they pinpointed and targeted several people who ended up being not those specific people and it ruined a lot of lives. And I think that's like, it's really cool when, you know, everyone has this sort of connectivity and access to information where they can all gather and have that one brain of information and, you know, like try to pinpoint suspects for example but it, it's also it leaves the field open for so much like inaccuracy and it's so it makes our lives a little bit a little bit harder yeah it definitely cuts both ways <clears throat> definitely hey so we wanted to hear about your we, in the past few episodes we've been talking a little bit about leadership and and in the military and then we had my friend uh, Brian Dennison, who talked about leadership in his um, like corporate job, but we were interested. What's the kind of the environment like in terms of leadership and mentorship in the news media? Is that so is that something that is uh, is encouraged or talked about, or something you kind of have to seek out? What? How does that? How does that work? It is definitely something that you have to seek out. And if you want to advance your career, if you want help in something, um, if you want to help, you know, if you if you need help finding a new job, it's definitely a bit of that whole go getter attitude in what can I do for myself? How can I help myself? Who do I need to reach out to and talk to and email and follow up with several times? So um, there's that whole aspect. But I also think that most in media want to give back and help others, you know, follow in their footstep and also help pave the way. Um, for example, where I work, we always employ lots of interns and young people straight out of college who work as assistants, but they are so vital to what we do every single day. And there's not a day that goes by where one of them doesn't say, hey, uh, Miriam, like if you're going out on a story, I would love to come with you. I would love to see what you do. I would love to understand what it takes to not only shoot with this type of camera, but also produce something. Like what does that entail? And that's something that I've had to learn along the way and kind of teach myself. And so knowing how tricky and different each situation can be I try to give back that knowledge to people that are younger than myself or even if they are my my age if they haven't had similar situations I always try to talk about it with others just because I think that that knowledge is definitely power especially in the field of media and it's definitely very it's it's important to me to be able to help you know young people because they will be telling the stories one day, you know, just like I am, but they will be too. And, you know, they are learning way more new things in, in their, you know, college programs than I was five, six years ago. And so, you know, working with them, I think, helps both of us. 
So how open is that door? I mean, obviously for you, you're you're very welcoming of, of bringing people along. But is is that something that they have to fight for as interns to to find the right person who will let them kind of attach themselves to that person, or or would you say just in general, it's pretty pretty collegial with all of them? It's definitely very collegial, and anytime I need assistance or help, um, you know, people are always so willing to offer their help. And when I was an intern, or when I was you know, working or trying to work my way up, like you, you always want to offer your help and, you know, be the go-getter and be very tenacious and determined and trying to just do as much as you can to help someone out. But it is also difficult because they have their own jobs and they have their own roles. And so for them to get a step ahead sometimes is hindered by the work that they're currently doing. And it's actually kind of funny because if I want to help them or train them on my camera that I use specifically or give them a little bit of advice, sometimes we do it, you know, off to the side or like in our little secret room in the bureau where I can just take them to the side and kind of give them this knowledge or advice one-on-one. And we really have to take time out of our own days outside of the workplace to you know have those meetings and talk it through because in that you know work hustle and that workflow of trying to get ahead and trying to do a good job you kind of like miss out on how you can help yourself grow and I I think it's so important to take that time always to kind of make those relationships and do things that help yourself and help others but sometimes that that's lost in the day of doing your daily job. And I don't know, it's, it's really tricky. You know, it's, it's, um, it's hard because how is anyone else going to learn those skills that they need? How is anyone going to get ahead if they don't have that knowledge? So you really have to take that time out of your day, even if it means working an extra hour or having a meeting in secret or, you know, and, and that's what you have to do to learn those skills. Yeah, I think yeah. it can be it can be a tough balance because when you're overwhelmed or not overwhelmed when you have a ton of work to do, it's kind of you don't have time to train these other people to do the work. You're too busy doing the work. But then if you never put in the time to train these other people, then then they're never able to help you with the workload that you're trying to, to take care of. So I think there's sometimes it's a it's it's tough to find the right balance between training and just getting your own work done. Exactly. And that's that always happens too. Like I'm either working on something that is very breaking news and I get called in at four in the morning and I don't have an intern there that I can take with me because I just get sent out the door or I'm working on something that requires a lot of sensitivity and um, a lot of security or there's, you know, a lot of things at play that make it kind of impossible to add an extra person. So sometimes that happens and you're like, man, like, I can't catch a break and neither can these interns and people who are just trying to get ahead. So there's always a lot of factors. But um, it's definitely one of those things that I consider um, vital and important and one that I really personally care about is, you know, that mentoring and mentoring aspect because I want to be able to give back and help people kind of advance in their careers. Do you think that you had uh, some good mentors growing up or did you have to to uh, kind of learn a lot of the stuff on your own? 
Um, a little bit of both. I mean, I, I had great mentors and people that I looked up to and people that were very inspiring to me, whether it was in my college classes or at an internship or an editor that I had, even some of my personal friends who might not have even been in journalism, but just in their life, they were such hard workers that I thought, wow, like I want to be more like them. And I think I took a little bit of everything from each of those people, whether they were like mothers, sisters, friends, nurses, um, professors, uh, you know, so it wasn't even necessarily related to journalism, but that work ethic and that determination and the passion, those types of qualities that I really saw and wanted for myself that I think I definitely took a piece of, um, you know, so what was the second part of your question? Sorry. <laughs> I lost. Edit. Uh, <laughs> Just kidding. I think, I think you covered it. I think I was, you hit them yeah, both. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> so well, you, I, oh, no, you, hold on. So you answered both because I asked if you had to learn on your own or if you had to, if you use mentor, if you were able to find mentors. Yeah, so on the I answered both because on the other hand, I mean, I did have to teach myself a lot. And especially in the field of journalism, there really ever isn't a right or wrong answer. So a lot of it is just um, trial and error. You know, you just kind of do what you can and work as hard as you can. And sometimes you're not going to get it right. And sometimes you might mess up. And... I've learned that a lot working in network television. If you mess up, you can get in serious trouble or you might make some people very angry, but everything is a learning experience. And so um, every person that I meet, I, I always try to learn something from them. And a lot of it is just kind of doing it on my own and seeing where that gets me because no one's really there to hold your hand. And I would say, in addition to that, it has to be a little bit different in kind of the the media space we're in right now with this this new meeting, new media kind of a evolutionary, revolutionary at times. You know, like Facebook Live, Snapchat, Twitter. You know, I'm sure a lot of people who are who would be mentoring you just wouldn't even have really a good schema to train you on. So, can you talk a little bit more about kind of the the evolution of using new media? And you know, you mentioned that you were the one that launched or we're helping launch the uh, ABC Snapchat. How, how has that been going? <laughs> um, we had an ABC Snapchat account. We still have an ABC Snapchat account, but I was able to, you know, take over, do a couple of Snapchats for some really fun and exciting stories. And so, yeah, I mean, like, there's so many new apps and ways to tell stories now that it's a little bit hard to keep a track of. And every time that I pitch a story or think of a story idea, I'm always like, okay, which show would this work for? But then for digital, how could we tell this story for Facebook? How can we tell this story for, um, you know, doing a live stream? And then Snapchat, you know, that's a whole other character. And thinking of the tweets that we could put out. So there are so many different ways to tell stories now. And it's so incredibly important to just be on top of all the new digital tools and technology technology that we do have at our fingertips. And it's something that I'm always trying to learn and experiment with. And it also really does help because 
for example, if I have a story idea that, you know, one particular segment or show doesn't really like, then there are ways for me to tell it in different ways, but across different mediums. And so, you know, being on top of that is really important because not everyone has that knowledge. And then, like the older you get, like, you know, I feel like people really have to work harder to understand the different technology because it's always changing. Is the is it kind of like a free market system for you pitching stories to different shows, or how does that work in terms of them uh, selecting the show or the idea that you're proposing? Um, I mean, it really has to fit with the theme of their show, and it can be pretty tricky. And it also depends on how often I'm allowed, like not allowed. It also depends on how often I can do it out of like my normal regular schedule mm. because you know I'm, I'm always doing something else requiring like you know if it's if it's a breaking news story I'm out the door I don't really have time to focus on my own stories mm. but then when I when I do have my own story that I get to focus on um, finding the right audience can be a little tricky and it, it takes like days weeks sometimes months to get a particular you know, show interested. And um, that's always really tricky because you never really know what they're looking for. Do you always get a go-ahead before you start working on your show? Or do you sometimes make it and then try to pitch it? Uh, yeah, actually, I do I do the latter. Um, <laughs> so if I have a, a story idea that I think is really good and I really haven't gotten an answer from anyone, I will sometimes just kind of take the lead and start working on it and trying to film for it if I can just protectively so that I can, you know, have that footage, have that story and that knowledge in my hand. And then I can go back to people and say, Hey, look, this is what I have. And this would be really good. And you should include it in your particular show or your segment. And that's just a daily struggle of working for a really big media company because, um, you know, there's so many different things going on that it makes like, you know, people aren't checking their email all the time and paying attention to the one story that you think is amazing, you know, and so it's it's a fight. It really is a fight to get people interested and invested. And so I just kind of go and I shoot things on my own or I interview people on my own. And I also do a lot of um text pieces for our website and if I if I have a good story I will just email my editor and I say hey I would like to do the story so I do a lot of my own original reporting and um, that's another really good way to get the story out because the story is what matters and I don't really care what format it goes out on as long as people hear about it and that story is being told. I'd love to hear you talking about taking those types of risks of going out and just making it if you think it's a good idea. Definitely. Um, it's just one of those things where if you believe in something so much and you and your gut know that it's a good idea, there's definitely ha there has to be a reason why you think it is. And so I don't like to let anyone, you know, kind of stop that from happening because um, there's lots of factors into what goes on the shows and what is approved and what isn't approved. And sometimes it's not even the story itself. There's a lot of factors, including like the time and the money and the time of year. Does it fit into this particular segment? Does it fit into the theme of the show? And 
a really good story could be lost in the shuffle because of those things. And so my personal goal is to be able to include that diverse reporting and bring really, truly interesting, compelling characters to the forefront despite all of that. So all I can keep doing is pushing and trying and making, you know, my little sneaky sidestep moves <laughs> to get those stories told, whether it's on a Facebook Live, you know, live segment or a live stream that we have on our website or if I'm doing a text piece because, you know, our job as journalists is to tell those compelling and interesting stories and have that diversity in our storytelling and um, that's what matters at the end of the day. So I, that's just me personally. I like to do everything I can to get those stories told. That's amazing. So one of the themes that we've kind of been on multiple times in the show is just increasing our level of proficiency and excellence. And, you know, from Axel and I writing contracts for so long, like we have tons of iterations at either the same type of contract or the same type of process. And so how does it work for you when you have such different stories? Um, you know, some days you're dealing with the facts, some days you're dealing with the, the humanity, the human side of it. You know, how do you kind of gel those things together and, and how do you keep pushing yourself to get better and, and what does that actually look like when you're when you're going through writing a story online or, or reporting a story? So I guess my question is, you know, how do you keep increasing your level of proficiency when the stories are so different? Yeah, that's a very interesting question because I think as a journalist, not only do we have to be proficient in all the different types of technology and media and the ways we can tell stories, but then to have the knowledge to tell those stories and, you know, to be a subject matter expert in all of those different areas. And I will say general assignment is the hardest beat of them all. You know, in journalism, you typically have a beat, that one segment that you're focused in on. And I used to cover politics, so I knew politics very well. Now, with general assignment, every single day is different. Sometimes you're covering a breaking news story about a shooting. Sometimes there's a fire. Sometimes I'm writing a story about terrorism. Sometimes I'm writing a story about circus elephants. That's really, that's <laughs> happened. That is That has actually happened. And in a matter of minutes, when you get assigned a story, you have to learn anything and everything that you can about it. And it, it makes your, it, the, the job is very difficult sometimes because before anything is published and you have to make sure that it's accurate and with information kind of at our fingertips these days, you know, it's very hard sometimes to know what is accurate, what isn't accurate, and then how do I make it so simple enough for our audience to understand? So that becomes a really tricky part of my job because I have to make it easy to understand while also ensuring that it's not only objective but accurate. But that's the beauty of it because, I don't know, like learning from a bunch of different people, like having different sources in different areas and like being open-minded and, um, you know, like reading different media every single day has kind of opened my mind to, to different things and I think that kind of helps my storytelling in a way. How often do you start on a story thinking you're going to tell it one way and then once you get all the facts you realize that actually it's different and you're going to tell it this other way? Oh my gosh that happens almost every single time. If I'm writing a piece, a text piece, I will start my story and will change the lead at least, you know, 20 times and then 
in the middle of writing it, I will completely scratch my idea and say, no, actually, you know what? I think the story is going this way instead. I mean, it happens almost every single time I write a story. And then at the same time, as I'm writing a story, when I'm rereading it, entire, you know, paragraphs, I will end up reorganizing within my story because I'm like, you know what? This works better this way or this works better this way. Um, so it's always changing and it's a very fluid process because there's so many different ways that it can go and as you learn more and as you read more and as you interview people more and hear their sides of the story and you, you have that diversity in your storytelling, then you realize that, you know, what I thought was the story is really not the story and that's, you know, that, that's what makes my job fun because then I have to kind of cut through all of that and determine what is true and accurate. Do you think the news would be very different if every journalist was general assignment? Oh, for sure. Because when you get caught up in your beats, I mean, that's all you kind of know. And you then then you don't have that diversity in your storytelling. You know, you don't kind of consider all the other things that there are out there in the world. And when you're covering a different story every single day, you really just have to be open-minded and flexible and you have to have a lot of empathy because when you're talking to the same people every day and you're kind of covering the same things every day you don't allow for creativity and I think that kind of hinders a lot of storytelling but because I think every day is so different for me I get to be really creative and I talk to so many different people and I travel different parts of the world like you know, just this past year alone, I went from being in Baltimore to Charleston, West Virginia, to Charleston, South Carolina, to the state of Washington, to Orlando, um, to Baton Rouge, Louisiana, to Missouri. You know, like I've just been to so many different parts of this, you know, country in just the last couple of months. And you get to meet so many different people who come from different walks of life and different backgrounds and religions and cultures and traditions and that only helps your storytelling better and not only in journalism I think in life you just become so much more open-minded to different ideas and people and I think as a human having that diversity is just such a great thing and I mean I that just helps my my work that I do every single day so do you think you'll stay in just in general stories uh, for the whole time or at some point will you like it's kind of like that's uh, a lot of work and a lot of change and everything and at some point like you need a short break to try to do something else and then maybe come back to it yeah that's like um a daily struggle because you know sometimes it's just a lot and um it is uh, it is nice to be able to hone in on one topic versus knowing 57,000 or, you know, like having something new every single day. Being able to focus on one topic affords you the ability to really have good sources and good information and just, diff like, you know, find out different ways to tell the stories involved in that one beat. At least I would hope so. And so I think eventually one day I would love to just find some sort of way that I could hone in in all my interests and be able to work and focus exclusively on those. Um, personally, like 
diversity storytelling and that culture beat religion and race is very important to me and I know a lot of um, media outlets are lacking in that and so I personally would like to bring my experience and knowledge and my passion to that sort of storytelling to make sure that it's being covered and um, I think that's something that I, I try to bring every single day anyway, even though I am doing general assignments. So I, I try to think of a different way to tell the story, even if it's been told the same way, like 57,000 times. But, you know, one day I, I think that I'd like to have like that niche, that niche storytelling beat that I, that I'm passionate about. If you had your own show, what would the, what would the niche, niche be? Um, I think I would focus definitely on race and culture. I don't know. And I think it's kind of ironic because that still falls under, under like general assignment because you're like, (laughs) (laughs) there's so many different types of races and cultures and religions and traditions and stuff. And so it's, it goes hand in hand, I think, you know, like that storytelling is so important and we need to do more of it. And yet it means like everyone, like our country alone is so diverse and cultured and has so many different traditions. And and so that's just my personal belief. I think they definitely go hand in hand. Does ABC News have a culture, race, religion podcast? No, it doesn't. Okay, I'm just (laughs) just curious. Actually, so I think that is important. I think a lot of the, the, when people are, they don't know other cultures or it's their, the culture is very foreign, then it's easy for people to kind of view them as different and then get, have these stereotypes. But once you spend more time with people or understand people, I think those stereotypes oftentimes are reduced. Yeah, and I think that there's no better time than right now to really focus in on that diversity storytelling. Um, This election cycle, we have seen and heard things that we've really never seen in that political sphere brought to the national forefront in such a manner ever before than we have, you know, and and I think that now is the time that we really remember who we are. Um, We once called ourselves a melting pot and a country of immigrants. And so I think that in order to remember where we come from, we should be telling those stories and remembering why this country is the greatest country in the world and why we have a constitution and um, why we, you know, we pride ourselves on being just so free and um, having liberty. And, you know, so I, I think that this, this past year for me personally has been really eye-opening and and so I think that that storytelling would be really important. Do you wish you were working the politics scene right now at at some points or sometimes? Yes and no. I will say that our embeds are so hardworking and they live in suitcases and they have been for the last 18 months and um, but I, I, I still think that in the storytelling that I that I like to do, I call it identity politics. And so while it may not be related to the politics of our country in that we have, you know, a race going on for president and also Congress 
and, you know, this looming election day that's coming up in November. Um, identity politics is something that I definitely favor and like to write about. So I, I, I do try to bring that up in my storytelling anyway. That's cool. Do you think people in general would benefit from more of a general assignment type uh, role earlier in their career? So <clears throat> instead of just having like one specific position kind of bouncing around to different positions within their company to learn to learn everything that they can? I, I know a lot of times that's not functionally possible, but do you think in a, in a hypothetical situation that would be beneficial? And I have a follow-up question. And do the the producers that are mentoring the young producers do they like make a point to move them around to different assignments to get them different experiences? Yeah, so I definitely think having a general a general assignment background is so vital. I mean, you to be able to focus on one thing and give it your all and do all the research and spend hours on this report and then the next day you're covering something completely unrelated and different to have that skill is truly a talent and it's hard and you have to be able to flip between all sorts of different things and it shows versatility so I definitely think it's so important that everyone kind of has that skill of being a jack of all trades and being able to switch gears and learning to talk to different people and um, I think not a lot of people do that sometimes especially if they're focusing on on one beat or one topic because you're talking to the same people over and over again but you know to cover an explosion one day and then a shooting the next day and then the next day you're covering the Freddie Gray trials or you're talking about the Adnan Syed hearing I mean having those skills is so important because journalism is not just one thing it's a million different things and so that only makes you better and I do think that media outlets are doing a good job of helping young people get those types of experiences. Um, I know where I work, you know, our interns go in a rotation of working with different departments and working on politics, working in um, like international affairs, working with the, you know, transportation and working with um our like justice unit where they talk about the FBI and the DOJ so like they try to give them different opportunities and also they get to learn about social media and digital and writing for the web and so I think that's definitely really important to for young people especially because it's giving them that almost you know general assignment feel of like covering so many different things and having so many different skills because that's the only way you're really going to get ahead in in media is when you have all sorts of skills. Yeah. <clears throat> Absolutely. Is investigative journalis- journalism, is that a separate thing from journal assignment or is or would you just consider that's something that everyone should be doing? I definitely think that's something that everyone should be doing. I mean, we should always be investigating and researching and learning. And um, you want to move the story forward. You don't want to tell the same story as everyone else. You want to do your own research. You want to learn, like, how can my story be different from your story? And how can I tell this, you know, in a completely new aspect? What don't I know? We all want to be the one to uncover that one aha moment. And if you're not investigating and if you're not researching and digging deep, then you're not doing journalism. 
And that's something that I've been thinking about for quite some time because there's lots of, you know, outlets that have that investigative beat. But like as a journalist, we're not just spitting out the news of the day. We should be moving the story forward. We should be doing our own research and investigation. And we should be making very smart and intelligent and competent ways of like telling a story and in a different aspect that someone will like, you know, hopefully learn something from. So, I mean, I think that it really just falls under this, this whole aspect of what being a journalist is about, but you know, I'm not the boss. So, (laughs) (laughs) well, there's, there's more reporters out there like you. It makes me much more confident about the, the future of news for sure. One step at a time. <laughs> you know, you know, that's that's like literally my motto, my thing. Um, people want like I I go into journalism with like the aspirations of one day changing the world. You know, we all have those dreams. Like we wanna if there's a guy with a gun in front of us, we wanna be the one to like jump in front and save someone's life. You know, I've always dreamt that like I would do something in my life to change the world. Like we all do doctors, lawyers, journalists, firefighters, people in the military. Like we give our lives to help save and change the world. But what I've learned and what I think is true. And I, I mean, I don't know. I mean, I don't know if science has proved it, but I think that it kind of starts at like a grassroots level and at a very local one-on-one human level. And if I can help one person's life, um, and the, you know, help someone. You know, in their in in helping their situation, their environment. If I can shed light on the issue that they're struggling with, even if they are not, you know, a huge like president or like powerful member of society or have any say or influence, that one person's life will hopefully be changed. And doing that over and over again, I think, can help change the world ever so slightly and I think yeah. that's what you know hopefully what we can all kind of remember is that people that we talk to every single day whether it's like the person in the grocery store or standing outside asking for two dollars for change I mean we all have a story we all have a life and helping each other begins at like a one-on-one human level and that's where it, it should it should start there. For sure. So do you feel when you're interviewing a lot of people, do do they give you the inside look or you know, how often do you really feel like they they're really exposing who they are or you know what I'm saying? In a in an interview, how often do you feel like they're kind of giving you surface answers as opposed to really getting rid of that filter and, and answering you human to human? Well, when I covered Capitol Hill and spoke to politicians every single day, um, you know, it was very apparent that that everyone kind of had their scripted answer. There were some that were very off the cuff, and yet it was politics. So everyone has an agenda. Everyone has a story. And um, Again, it comes back to the diversity thing. There wasn't a lot of diversity in that storytelling. And it is an honor to cover all of that. And, you know, they are the most powerful people in the world. But my personal passion is talking to the people every single day whose lives are affected by 
those types of decisions. And so most recently, right now, I am in the midst of covering a story about um, students who are homeless. And, you know, I've been following the story of a young girl who is 15 years old. And in a matter of months, you know, she went from having her own bedroom with posters on the wall and pets, dogs, cats, birds, friends, um, her own bedroom to living in a motel with nothing. And, um, it, it, you know, the purpose of the story is to show just a human being who is impacted by something that has nothing to do with her and yet how is she kind of going through life because you know I mean anyone who kind of goes through that kind of a struggle is clearly dealing with a lot that we might not know about and I'm I'm hoping to just kind of shine a light on her particular story and um you know I, I've been spending a lot of time with her family and filming with with them and it's very um, frightening to know, um, to see firsthand what life is like for someone who's living paycheck to paycheck. And within a matter of months, um, her father lost his job because of an injury. And six months later, they were evicted from the family home that they've lived in for the last 12 years. And, you know, they had to move to motels and kind of survive from the generosity of strangers and getting meals from people and donating um, of clothes. And so anyways, the story of this girl, she's 15. She went back to school with like no school supplies. She used her younger brother's notebooks and folders. And, you know, I caught up with her a few weeks after this. I went to her school and interviewed her in school and saw her in school. And she's got this, you know, bright smile on her face and acting as if there's not a care in the world, but no one knows what her summer was like. She literally lived in a motel with her family, um, one bedroom motel, and it was a very scary and dangerous situation. This particular motel in Frederick, Maryland, there were a lot of drug deals. The DEA was always there, and um, she said that old men would you know, leave their hotel rooms open for her and they'd say, hey girl, like, feel free to stop by, like 70, 60 year old men to a 15 year old girl who has never experienced that before. And, and, and so I think it's an important story to tell because you never know for, you know, a, a mom who has a child in school and they're going to school with other kids, like, these kids could sometimes be homeless. They might not have families or they might not have a home. And, and so that struggle is very real. And um, it's a very startling statistic. There's 1.4 million about um, of homeless students and unaccompanied youth in the U.S. that are going through this struggle. And it's, it's very sad. And there's not a lot of stories about it, unfortunately. And, and those are only the numbers of students that have been reported being unaccompanied or homeless. So imagine how big that number really is. And For so sure. that's, you know, that's what is the type of important storytelling that we should be covering and doing. Absolutely. So have you have a lot of your kind of side projects hinged on that type of thematic the struggle yeah definitely i think so and i th i think it's sh it's sh it's just it's 
really hard to say. I mean, I've always thought since I was in high school or in college that every person you come across has a story to tell. And that is something that I've always just taken with me in any sort of my, like my storytelling. So whether you're a homeless student or you're in prison for something you didn't do or you're someone who is just living in Baltimore, seeing cases of police, you know, discrimination, racial discrimination, like all sorts of struggles in life that people go through on a day-to-day basis, I think are really important to tell the stories of. I mean, it's just every, every person has a different and unique perspective. And sometimes you don't even have to be going through a struggle or through anything in your life. But there's, there's always a different experience that someone else can benefit from. And that's what I, what I hope to share with other people is that each person you meet in life has their own story. And empathy is one of the biggest, most crucial skills you could ever acquire. Yeah, absolutely. Well, that's awesome. Axel, do you have any questions? Uh, I, I think I don't have any other questions. This, is, this has been fun. I, I love hearing, uh, talking to you and hearing your perspective. It's really fun. I love it, too. I love the the behind the scenes, the inside baseball element <laughs> of uh, learning more about journalism. And, and so, as always, we like to uh, to turn the mic over. Uh, the last time we did this, we thought your answer was uh, one of the best two minutes of, of any of our episodes. So, do you have any final words just looking back on, you know, since April was the last time that you've been on the show? I mean, I just think that we should all learn to be more human to one another. And, you know, there's, there's just so many, our country, our life, the way of the, the, what we're seeing in this world, just over the weekend in our, you know, next door neighbor's yard in New York city, we don't even really know what happened, but there were a couple of, you know, situations of, um, possible terrorism, uh, you know, and it's just, it's a very, very sad, sad world. And I think that we should never lose our hope and our optimism. And I know when all these types of situations happen, we kind of become numb to everything and we kind of just go through life like, Oh, like something else happened today. And, we stop talking about it like less and less it becomes a part of the conversation and that's really sad and very jarring to know that like we're so numb to everything and I don't know I just I think that we should all be more understanding and um, responsible in our way of life and you know as a journalist and as a reporter and someone that is always like plugged into these things like it's something that I see every single day that I'm involved in every single day and it, it becomes really disheartening and it becomes really sad and it can take a mental toll like you know after the the shooting in Orlando the shootings like 50 people lost their lives and that's still something that I'm coming to terms with but yet, you know, we have an important role in that we have to be able to tell those stories and inform the world. And I don't know, I just think that being 
empathetic and being human to one another is a really big thing. And the one thing that I will never forget from being in Orlando is, you know, we're, we're covering such a tragedy and being there felt like ground zero. I mean, 49 human beings were killed in a nightclub and this nightclub is baby, maybe like 20 feet away from where I am. And, 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 you know, talk about the intersection of technology and everything because at the memorials just a few days later almost every person that was killed in that nightclub the photo that they used of each person was a selfie hmm. and you know I take selfies every day like if I'm on snapchat I take a selfie I'll send it to like my sister and it was so sad because you realize that humanity, like it could be you at any second. And it, it, it's just, you know, seeing something like that really reminds you of like what, who you are as a person, what you aspire to do for the rest of your life. And, um, you know, like, why are, why are we here? Why are we doing what we are doing every single day? And I just, I remember like that week was just so eye opening. I think I covered maybe like, 15 funerals and I had never been to a funeral before in my life and I went to one funeral and you know I I was asked to go to the next funeral and it was a very depressing week but on the flip side I had never felt so much love surrounding me and no matter where we went in that city of Orlando we would be stopped and told thank you Thank you so much for being here, for telling our stories. And, and that was um, something that I will never forget for the rest of my life. When, you know, I was there, there was a media setup, there were trucks, there were people, there were hundreds of us, and the communities came out and they sold or they gave us water. They had booths set up to feed us. And it was just out of their own pocket. Like their their community was struck with so much tragedy, and yet there they were, giving us so much love. And so, um, you know, whether you're a journalist, whether you're a victim, whether you're just an innocent bystander, I think that we have so much to learn from the the hope and optimism of people and i think that's what really keeps me going and it gives it gives me my strength to tell people and inform people and um you know tell the stories of others because we each have a story it comes back to like that simple notion of we each have a story, we each come from somewhere, we should learn to be more understanding and have that empathy and that hope to just carry on. And, you know, I think that's really what, what is at this point in time, the most important thing that we can all do to kind of be human and, you know, understand one another. I think that's a, a really incredible sentiment to, especially somebody from news who, who has to be so present in what's going on that you can't, you know, your job doesn't allow you to ignore what's going on. Like you have to be present, but to still come out of that with, with compassion and hope is, uh, is really incredible. So, so thanks so much for being on the show. Axel, do you have anything no, to add? Thanks again. This is always a fun time. All right. You're well, so welcome. 
Well, I'm Frank Boyce. And this is Axel Clark. Go out and uh, talk to your neighbor and find out their story. Have a great week, everyone.